according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Once again, we are in Proverbs. Today we begin Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We've had a bit of a break, three Wednesdays off in uh, December for uh, the holidays and for uh, uh, the move that took place, so appreciate that. Dan, I'm not certain that the doors were taken care of. Can you take care of those? All right, thank you. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, my son, similar to how uh, chapter 2 started, my son, (coughs) and most of these chapters begin this way. Uh, we're in the portion of uh, Proverbs that we are calling parental wisdom. The first nine chapters is uh, David primarily, or David and Bathsheba together, uh, pouring out their heart to their children, pouring out their heart to Solomon and his siblings, those uh, final children of David's that were born in uh, Jerusalem. And uh, this is what we see here. Uh, Proverbs 3.1, My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. All right. In fact, in so many ways, when I think Proverbs... Uh, the first thing I think of is these verses right here. You know, these are probably the the first verses out of the Proverbs that jump to my mind anytime I think of the verse, uh, uh, the the book rather is uh, verses five and six here from Proverbs chapter three. All right, so here's where we're going to be. Let's uh, get started with a word of prayer. Ask God the Father to sanctify our thinking and to bless our time in His study today. Shall we pray? Almighty Father, we do thank you for the truth of your word and the blessing that we have today to assemble together. We ask for your guidance upon our study. We ask that you would set aside distractions, hedge us about, and protect us, Father. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All righty. We have a transition here from the end of chapter 2 to the first part of chapter 3. And uh, the my son language introduces the new topic. And this is what we're turning to. Chapter 3 turns to the long-term benefits of a life spent in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 3 turns to the long-term benefits of a life spent in the Word of God. Under some stipulations, and we'll talk about those here in a moment. I think what we've seen so far through the first couple of chapters anyway are benefits, uh, but more of the immediate benefits or the practical benefits or the the blessings of uh, Proverbs. Uh, the, the introduction of the book was uh, centered largely on what Proverbs will do for you, what Proverbs will do to you on, a, on an immediate basis or in the experience of living in the Word. Here in uh, chapter 3, we turn to the, we turn to the long-term benefits, uh, as if uh, in his old age or in his older years, David was looking back over a lifetime of walking with Jesus Christ. So here's the point. I'll read the whole point now, and then we'll proceed from there. Point one in the outline, Proverbs chapter three turns to the long-term benefits of a life spent in the word of God. Should, notice, should the commandments of God not be forgotten and should they be kept from the heart? 
should they be kept from the heart? And so uh, we realize that there's a couple of obstacles, a couple of things that will derail us from these benefits. Uh, becoming forgetful, for example, as it says, my son, do not forget my teaching. It's not just a matter of learning it. It's a matter of learning it and sticking with it. We establish patterns in our youth, but we have to follow up on those patterns. We have to stick with the Word of God throughout our lifetime. We don't ever reach a point of maturity where we're done taking in Bible doctrine. We don't ever reach a point of growth where we've learned it all. And we say, all right, I don't need church anymore. I don't need Bible class anymore. I don't need a pastor anymore. I can just stay home and read my Bible and and feed myself kind of a thing. Um, that attitude very quickly becomes stay home and not read my Bible and not feed myself kind of thing. That has is the habit of some, see, neglecting the assembling of ourselves together. So should the commandments of God not be forgotten and should the commandments of God be kept from the heart? That is heart keeping. Let your heart keep my commandments. The innermost being is not just you keeping the commandments. It's not just your mind keeping the commandments. It's your heart keeping the commandments. It's wholehearted obedience, as we're told, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so it's our very being that is in obedience to the, uh, the teaching, which is Torah, and the commandments, which are the mitzvot. All right? And so this is what we're dealing with. We've got some parallel passages, of course, both out of Psalm 119. I think the psalmist uh, from the captivity era uh, was influenced by the Proverbs. I think it's part of the argument that goes into the later date for the writing of Psalm 119. So let's get to that. Of course, you can make the case the other direction too and say that Solomon was influenced by David. And uh, if David was the author of Psalm 119, then we find Psalm 119 echoed in the Proverbs. I think it's the other way around. I think Proverbs is echoed in Psalm 119 again and again and again, including not just the Solomon uh, elements of Proverbs, but the later, the Hezekiah editions, the later portions of proverbs as well but that's that's a study for a different day all right what's psalm 119 say do not forget do not forget i will never forget i will never forget see here's a perspective that looks back over time and the psalmist is a is a young man actually but even he can identify the uh, the long-term value of this uh, begins forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. That's verse 89 that begins the Lamed strophe. Uh, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You established the earth and it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances for all things are your servants. You see, if you study the word of God quicker than anything, you're going to develop an eternal perspective. You're going to get a long-term view for who God is, how God thinks, how God operates, what his plan is all about. He goes on to say in verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. You ever stop to wonder what kind of basket case you'd be if you didn't have doctrine, if you didn't have the word of God, if you didn't have stability of his truth? How, uh, what would your life be like without Austin Bible Church, what, without brothers and sisters in Christ, without the word of God? All right. And here's the psalmist, and he reflects on this. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. And the language of revival is the language of life, causing somebody to have life. And this is somebody who's already alive. He has physical life. But now he has the abundant life, as Jesus said. I've come that they may have life, may have it in abundance. Here is a believer that's truly living, living and thriving. 
And some of these are the concepts that we have to get to when we return back to chapter 3 and we talk about length of days and years of life. All right? Years of life. The idiom itself, years of life, is almost nonsensical until you understand the beauty of it. All right? Because obviously they're years of life. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about those years of life when we reach that particular point. So I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours. Save me. Is this somebody that is in danger of going to hell that wants to get saved, wants to receive eternal life? Is this phase one salvation, as we call it? No, it's phase two salvation. It's being saved from the power of sin. It's the present salvation of our sanctification where we want to walk daily in the Word of God. For I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. All right. So we should not forget the commandments of the Lord, and we need to keep them from the heart. Backing up to verse 11 here of Psalm 119. Thy word I have hid in my heart. Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. You've got to keep it from the heart. It's got to be the core of who you are, uh, being transformed by the word of God. So the core of who you are will be in obedience to the commandments of God, the law of God, and the commandments of God. If it's something that you have to stop, you have to think about, you have to consider, well, you know, um, then it's not really coming from your core, is it? You're just, uh, you know what it says, you think about it, you follow it if if it agrees with what you want to do anyway. Uh, But, you know, you've got other options available to you. If, uh, (laughs) If lust wants to do something else or some other temptation comes along, in other words, if the Word of God does not define from the core of your being who you are, then you're not obedient from the heart. Anyway, we'll discuss that more when we talk about the transformation of the heart that uh, the Word of God will do. Now, point two then. Every believer can expect three additions to their human experience when they are abiding in the Word of God. Every believer can expect three additions to their human experience when they are abiding in the Word of God. And this is long-term. Three additions for long-term abiding in the Word of God for the duration of your life. (coughs) Every believer can expect three additions to their human experience when they are abiding in the Word of God. This is verse 2. Length of days, years of life, and peace. So now you... Got a preview of what subpoints A, B, and C are going to be, all right? Length of days, years of life, and peace, they will add to you. They will add to you. And the they is uh, the teachings and the commandments from verse 1, okay? Length of days, years of life, and peace, they will add to you, assuming that you don't forget them and assuming that you keep them from the heart, that you keep them, observe them, treasure them in your heart. Length of days, years of life, and peace. And this is where we're going to have to take the time, understand what these idioms are about, realize that we're not um, going to be, we're not going to turn Proverbs into legalism. We're not going to turn uh, wisdom into the, uh, the immature uh, legalistic approach of, of uh, God as the... Um, 
the, 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 the mean, angry God that is just waiting to blast us. And if we make him happy, then he'll reward us. And if we anger him, then he'll curse us. And, and if I'm a good boy, and then I'm promised length of life. All right? And here's why. Because, see, if we, if we fall into an artificial view, then we start getting resentful. Then we start to blame God. Then we start to wonder, well, why did Steve Arnold die at 58? Why did he not make 60? Why did my mom only get 70? Why didn't she make it into her 90s? And, uh, and why, 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 why? That's not, we start to um, confuse the issue with what are the length of days anyway? All right. She has the same days I have, which is all of them forever. <laughs> it's just that she has more of them in heaven and fewer of them on earth. All right. These are some of the things we're going to talk about because length of days, in, in some of the passages of Scripture we're going to see, length of days blurs the distinction between mortality and immortality. Length of days crosses the boundary between days on earth and days in glory. And when David was looking forward to uh, days in the presence of the Lord, um, he's crossing that line from time into eternity. And I hope that we're going to be able to see that as we look at these, uh, at these expressions. But here's three additions. And you realize this is, again, thinking long-term. This is how we characterize our life. And at what point do you need to... Uh, have, you, have you reached the, the status where your life is characterized by being a disciple? That, that it is a characteristic of your life. See? How, how do, you, do you characterize your life as... A, um, you know, if I had eight years in law enforcement, is that, is that what my obituary is going to read at the end of my life? Is that, is that how the notice is going to show up in the newspaper? You know, Bob Bolander, um, police officer. Chances are that won't be brought up because it was so long ago and it was such a short period of time. And, and compared to 20 years of pastoring, you see what I'm talking about? And so, um, you know, is, is my obituary going to say, you know, military police, that was only four years, or, or Coco's waiter? Okay, you know, he said, I didn't even know you did a paper boy. You know, I'll think of all the things you used to do. But what at what point then is being a disciple then a lifelong characteristic? Okay, and if it's a characteristic presently. Can you walk away from that? And so that in your older years, you've drifted in your older years, you're not a disciple anymore. At what point have you forsaken the benefits of what we see here? As it says, do not forget my teaching. For a length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you, should you not forget them. Should you continue to keep them from the heart. This becomes significant. All right. Length of days. Let's break these down now, A, B, and C. Length of days. Here's our Oric Yamim. Length of days. Now, Oric is an interesting uh, expression. We first find it when we're describing the... Um, the ark, Noah's ark, okay, in terms of its length and its width and its height, and the, the, the cubit dimensions that Noah was uh, commanded to construct the ark in Genesis chapter 6. And so it's a, it's a basic term for length, okay? And in this case, it's the length of your yamim. Now, it's not the number of your yamim, it's the length of your yamim. And I find this to be interesting as well, because the longer are your yamim, uh, the more productive they are, the more you, you know, something that's, if the ark was longer, it could hold more animals. If the, uh, if your yamim were longer, you'd get more done. 
say, well, how do we get anything more done? We have the same 24 hours everybody else has in every single yom, all right, or every single yom. If we want, uh, if we want longer yamim, how do we get longer yamim? Okay. Or what if I want more of them? Is, is it, is it uh, length in terms of quantity or length in terms of quality? And we find actually, as we survey these expressions, it's uh, not always clear, and it's probably a blend of both, all right? Numerically and qualitatively, lengthening our days, okay? Because we can have the same amount of time and be totally dissatisfied with it. And we can have less time and be more satisfied with it. That's what we're going to see and observe when we see the testimony of Abraham and the testimony of Jacob and the testimony of different people when they're looking back over their time. When David looks back over his time and he's satisfied with his days. We'll talk about those expressions when earthly days come to an end and these patriarchs are gathered to their fathers. Some of the expressions that happen there. All right. Now the very exact phrase of Orek Yamim occurs eight times and then there are comparable expressions that aren't precise parallels, but they do combine the adjective auric and the, the noun yom, and, and uh, they're close enough that I think they're valid for uh, our study today. They'll give us this sense of how do we get longer days, and why do we want longer days, and what do we do with our longer days, and, uh, and so forth. If you think about the blessings of time, okay, how we get to be, we're, we're creatures of time, we're bound by time, believers and unbelievers alike, and, and whatever the human experience is, however rich you are, however poor you are, if you're Bill Gates or you're, you're the, the poorest guy in a, in a gutter somewhere, you've got the same 24 hours that everybody else has. You have the same 168 hours in a week. You got the, I'm always doing that math wrong. You got the same 365.2522 uh, days in a year, okay? We've all, that, that's, that's the great equalizer for all humanity in terms of the gift of time that we have, at least for the, the period that he allows us to remain vertical. So let's look at some of these other expressions. So starting in Job 12, Job 12, 12. And you notice that the exact idiom is in Job, it's in Psalms, it's in Proverbs, it's in Lamentations. What do you notice about those particular passages? Length of days, okay? It's not given in the law. This, this idiom comes in the wisdom literature. It comes in the, the poetry of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Lamentations. So starting in Job 12.12. 12. Job 12.12. 12. Here is uh, part of the lamentation. And uh, we've already had a round with uh, these accusers at this point, And now Job is rebutting their arguments. In Job 12, uh, Job responded, Truly then, you are the people, (laughs) and with you, wisdom will die. Boy, you know, it'd be a sad world when you guys are out here because you just know everything. Okay, And uh, (laughs) the the sarcasm is dripping from Job's lips here because he's, he's not responding well to what they've been telling him. But I have intelligence as well as you. I am not inferior to you. And who does not know such things as these? All right, what if you, you know, tell me something I don't know. I am a joke to my friends, the one who called on God and he answered him. The joke and uh, the just and blameless man is a joke. And so he's totally rejecting everything that they've had to say up till now. And this is the, uh, the context here for this, for this uh, reply. As we get down then to verse 12 then, um, I think as far as the rest of this goes, 
Verse 11 says, Does not the ear test words as the palate tastes its food? Wisdom is with aged men, with long life is understanding. All right, so we have the term aged that refers to the elderly, that refers to old, all right? And in the first uh, generations after the flood, we're talking centuries, that Ham, Shem, and Japheth are still alive. Noah may very well uh, still be alive. Um, If not, certainly his three sons are still alive at the time that, that Job is living and writing and so forth. Wisdom is with aged men, and parallel with long life is understanding. Okay. Now, is he saying the same thing twice in, in poetry, or is there a, 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 a deeper relationship here? Does, is he understanding the principle of Proverbs chapter 3? That by clinging to the Word of God, by not forgetting the, the law, by, by obeying the commandments from the heart, has come the provision of length of days. Length of days. It's not just getting old. Okay? Anybody can get old. <laughs> just exist. Okay? And you're getting old. But is there a dis- distinction between aged and length of days, long life? Just want us to, to consider that as we look at these other expressions, okay? Don't, don't come to a conclusion just based on Proverbs 3.2 by itself or Job 12.12 by itself. So wisdom is with aged men and with long life is understanding, okay? And you're going to get it from the Lord. I think the rest of this Makes sense with him or wisdom and might. To him belongs counsel and understanding. Job would be in agreement with Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. Let's look over at Psalm 21. Psalm 21 and verse 12. This is a Davidic psalm, so clearly uh, we can see the echo of this uh, impacting Solomon in his life. Um, 21.4, yes. What did I say? Oh, okay, no, that's not 12. 21.4. O Lord, in your strength, verse 1 says, O Lord, in your strength the king will be glad, and in your salvation how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire. You have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with the blessings of good things, You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. And here's our length of days idiom, our auric yamim idiom. But notice it's not limited to earthly days. It's not limited to mortality. In fact, it's told, we're told specifically, the idiom auric yamim is is followed up with the uh, idioms for uh, forever and ever. Okay? Lakolam, aid we're told. Forever and ever. See, forever is pretty long, right? How long is forever and ever? <laughs> okay. So he asked life of you. Now, how do you ask for life? Don't you already have to be alive to ask for something? Okay. So what kind of life are we dealing with here? What kind of life is somebody that's physically alive could he ask for? Or what kind of life if somebody is, maybe, maybe it's not just simply getting saved. What if it's actually the abundant life of this intimacy with Jesus Christ that we're talking about? A meaningful life, a life of, of, uh, of impact. Some of these things that we'll see, I think, as more of the uh, other passages come into focus.
But he asked life of you, you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. I think the main impact of this is the fact that David got saved. That he is delighted over his eternal life. That he asked for life, he was given life. Okay? All right. Move on to Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23, right? Everybody knows Psalm 23. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But the idiom for forever is length of days. Length of days. And the uh, translators don't like that. I think it's because the English language has been so impressed by King James for 400 years that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever has kind of woven itself into the fabric of our culture. But the word for forever there is our word for length of days. And then um, we have to ask ourselves, is, 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 is the psalm, is David here in Psalm 23 really speaking of forever, forever, like all eternity forever? Or is he simply speaking of the length of his time on this earth, the length of days? So surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That's not without doubt. All the yamim of my chai, of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, orek yamim forever or for the length of those days so we'll discuss that the idea i think is that um this is what we're being suited for what's heaven going to be like yeah but i'm talking about in terms of we are going to be in the personal presence of jesus christ we're going to have the the face-to-face we will see him as he is we will see god the father as he is We're in that personal presence of God for eternal fellowship, what's called the eternal day. Ultimately, the length of days, you can't get longer than forever if the day itself is eternal, okay? And so the, um, the, uh, the believer that's occupying with Christ, the believer that's abiding in the Word of God, the believer that's a true disciple is already now experiencing heaven here on earth. You understand? Because we have this face-to-face relationship here and now. We have the intimacy with God here and now. We have the wisdom of God here and now that's giving us the Oreck Yamim right now. We have eternal life today. I've had eternal life since September of 1973. That's not something we're waiting to get to when we get to heaven. We have it right now. And so our attitude, our perspective, our thinking should, should reflect that right now. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because i already do i already do this is david's intimacy with the lord i'm talking even from an old testament standpoint the the best part about proverbs is we're talking about royal family of god in the church age we're not talking about you and i in the body of christ we're not talking about being baptized in the union with christ and all the things we take for granted in the church age these are believers in the old testament that are occupied with the word of god that have their focus fixed on the things above they haven't risen, they're not seated with Christ above, but their focus is still there. They're looking at things that are not seen because they've got the same faith, okay? Over to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. 
I very well might just have to read this whole entire song. That's unfortunate. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, here is occupation with Christ. Here is keeping your attention on the things above. Here is a believer that is, that is focused on spiritual things. Dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Where's your refuge? Where's your, where's your protection? Abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Okay? And we don't know who wrote Psalm 91. There's a tradition that it could even be Moses as a continuation of Psalm 90. Um, in any event. This is uh, occupying with the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And all of this is about a believer with intimacy with God, day by day, moment by moment, over, over a lifetime. Here uh, we even have uh, uh, promises. It is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper, verse 3, and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Many of our hymns come out of here. All right. Uh, you will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. Think about all the things people are afraid of. They're afraid of sickness. They're afraid of uh, losing their health. They're afraid of uh, violence. They're afraid of whatever. Those are just earthly details. When you're occupied with Christ, when you're dwelling in his presence, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. You've got divine viewpoint. You've got an eternal perspective. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. Who's the psalmist even talking to in this? He's, talk, he's prophetically talking to Jesus Christ. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. He's prophetically speaking Christ. Satan even used this passage in one of his temptations. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Uh, Satan left that part out. <laughs> when, when he was tempting the Lord, he didn't include that verse about stomping on serpents. All right. Now, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. Here's the father speaking to the son. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. All right, so with Yom, with Oreck uh, Yamim, with long life, this is uh, 91.16. With Oreck Yamim, with length of days, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Psalm 93.5. Simply rendered forevermore. Psalm 93.5. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Let's see. Yep, your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord. Length of days. Oreck yamim. Forevermore. Forevermore. 
So you see why we're talking about not only length of days on this earth, but crossing that boundary between this earth and eternity. Crossing that veil from time to eternity. From mortality to immortality. But it starts here. We have that eternal life here and now. We should have that intimacy here and now. It's unfortunate that so few do. So few are um, abiding in, uh, in the Word of God. All right, uh, two more. We've already seen Proverbs 3.2, but verse 16 of the same uh, chapter, Proverbs 3.16. This is why we need to uh, embrace wisdom. How blessed is the man, verse 13 says, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, nothing you desire compares with her. Oric yamim, long life, length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Is that, is that all earthly? Is that... Am I promised to be a billionaire if I just study the Word of God long enough? I'm going to live to be 90. I'm going to live to be 100. I'm going to be a Bill Gates billionaire if I just study the Word of God enough. See, this is how it gets twisted. This is how the name it and claim it crowd ruins everything and the, the prosperity theology folks. And they twist it and say, well, if you're struggling financially, what's wrong with you? Right? You should have these jewels. You should have this wealth. And anyone that, uh, that dies young, oh... Boy, they must have had something hidden. They must have had something here. We, we thought he was a good guy. Man, we thought he was serving the Lord. We thought he was teaching Bible classes. Man, must have had something going on because God wouldn't have took him, taken him if he was really walking well. Okay? Took him. <laughs> you knew what I meant, right? In Texas, you can say took him. You know, the... Uh, the treasures of the Word of God can't even be compared. And the wealth that we accumulate can't even be compared. And the length of days, they're eternal days. Okay? Eternal days. Uh, Lamentations, the last use here. This is probably the one that's least, uh, has the least value for us in terms of relating it to Proverbs, but we'll look at it. Uh, Lamentations 5.20. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. I think it's um, good to remember that sometimes we can uh, be disoriented in our carnality. Sometimes we can be disoriented in our in our uh, grief. Okay. That we tend to think that some things last forever and we forget what really does last forever. Our testing does not last forever. God does not forget us forever. He does not forsake us for length of days. Okay? Back up a verse and you see the reality. In verse 19, You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? And if your testing seems to be forever... I would submit it's because you've lost perspective of what really is forever. You've lost perspective that the testing is momentary light affliction. That it's not worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory. But we lose sight of that. And we get discouraged and we we flip things upside down. And we we call good evil and evil good. And we we get completely confused. 
And we start to think that our testing is eternal weight of testing. <laughs> and we've lost track of, uh, we had a, a momentary light blessing and, and we've substituted it for an eternal weight of testing and we're upside down and backwards. As we see Jeremiah reflect there. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. Boy, how to end a book, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, are you, are you throwing me away? Are you sending me to hell? Okay. Well, you're going to put it that way. Then obviously not. He's redeemed me. He sent his son to save me. All right, so length of days. Length of days is more than just simply living a long time in your physical mortality. It is the intimacy with Jesus Christ. It is days that stretch both from time and then cross into eternity. Now, there are comparable expressions. We find them in the law. We find them in Deuteronomy especially. Um, but I hope that um, this, this is where I think the, the, the promises are the promises, and then they're lived out in the, pro, in the wisdom literature. Does that make sense? So the promises we're finding in Exodus and Deuteronomy and so forth, and then we're seeing them uh, illustrated. We're seeing them explained in Psalms and Proverbs and the wisdom literature for what it is. But let's start with Exodus 20 and verse 12. And hopefully this will bless you as I know it blessed me. Right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. For the longest time, I used to think that uh, honor your father and mother was the only commandment with a promise, right? But then uh, you start to see other commandments with promises, and you start to see other promises that are the same promise as the honor your father and mother promise. But they're different criteria for those promises, Okay. Now, if all I'm doing is reading through the, the Decalogue, well, then, yeah, it's going to be pretty limited. All these commandments um, have or else, okay? If, if, uh, if, you, if you violate these, you're, you're dead, basically. Here's the, here's the, uh, here's the, uh, the penalty for violating. I mean, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. And in all of these, are there promises attached to any of those? Or is it just... You're dead if you do them. Okay? Murderer, stone the murderer. Adulterer, stone the adulterer. Okay? That cuts down on the divorce, divorce rate. <laughs> um, but what, what, what is the promise? If you don't kill anybody today, what are you promised? But honor your father and mother has a promise. All right? And it's the, don't think it's the only commandment with a promise, it's the first commandment with a promise. And we'll start to see some more of them as we work our way through Deuteronomy. So, verse 12 of Exodus 20 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged. Now here we have days again is your yamim. Uh, you don't have the adjective, you don't have the term auric, uh, for the noun for length, but you do have the verb. The verb arak is the verb that's, that's cognate to the, to the term auric. Okay, so your days will be aracked. And once your days are aracked, then you will have an auric of yamin. Make sense? All right. So it's the verb instead of the noun. 
But it's the same concept. And in my mind, it's close enough that it relates to what we're looking at here in this expression. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. It's our first commandment with a promise. That's Exodus 20.12, and its parallel is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. When the next generation has to be told the same thing. Remember, they had the Exodus generation followed by the wilderness generation. And in the second giving of the law to the second generation, that's what Deuteros is, the second, the Deuteros Namas. It's restated again so that the wilderness generation gets the doctrine, gets the principle that the Exodus generation had been given. And um, here in uh, verse 16 of Deuteronomy chapter 5, Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged. Again, it's the noun yamim, and it's the verb, arak. And that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. So here's again the commandment with the promise. And it's length of days. Your days will be lengthened. The very days that he's given you themselves will be lengthened. Okay? And it may go well with you in the land. See, not only what kind of days, not the number of days, but the kind of days that you have, the quality of days that you have. I mean, do you really want to have an extra three years if they're going to be miserable, rotten, nasty, ugly, sick, diseased, horrible years? It's both quantity and quality, we're told. It will go well with you, or it may go well with you on the land which the Lord God gives you. Both quality and quantity. Same chapter, down to verse 33. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded. You see, it's not just that one promise. It's the first with a promise, but there are additional with promises. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. Promise stated again. Chapter 6, just Almost an unfortunate chapter division, but we cross now into chapter 6. This is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson, you see the generations there? You and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Again, the verb is arak, the noun is yamim. Length of days, quality and quantity, and now multiple generations involved in keeping. Multiple generations that are walking with the Lord. A grandfather, a father, a son. We've got a, a community of people that are, that are serving the Lord. All right. Uh, chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Verse 9. Now here's a bit of a warning. And uh, remember what he did to Pharaoh and his armies. Remember what he did to Dathan and Abiram when the earth swallowed them up. Remember what your own eyes have seen. Verse 8. You shall therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding you today so that you may be strong and go in and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it so that 
you may prolong your days in the land, on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them and to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. All right? Expect, expectation that as a nation, they are the covenant nation, they are going to keep the law. Chapter 17 and verse 20. I hope we can recognize this. There's a contrast. In, in law, the, the problem is, is we're, we're, we're focused on Galatians. We're focused on law versus grace. Uh, we... we um, we get to thinking that, that it's always been legalistic. Now, the law is good if you use it lawfully, and Israel, under the law, had the opportunity to, to, to be intimate with the Lord, to grow in the grace and knowledge, to all the things that we see with David and Solomon and the Psalm 119 guy. We, we see a, re, a reality in their walk that's not legalism. They were holding to the law. They were subject to the law, but they weren't legalists. All right? They have, and in some cases, I think the Psalm 119, God would love to have his, his intimacy with the Lord as he did. And, and if I get carried away on a death march, I, I hope I do. <laughs> All right? So, um, chapter 17 and verse 20. This becomes remarkable because this is the chapter where a king, assuming office, is given all of his instructions, and a uh, king... Is, uh, is God's agent, is God's authority, but he himself is under authority. He himself has to be subject to God, is subject to God's word. And all the expectations here, I don't want to read the whole thing for you, but 14 and following basically is, here's what you're going to do when the day comes that you have a king. And um, he should not uh, multiply wives and horses and these things. These are the things that Solomon blew big time. Okay, multiplying the horses in verse 16, multiplying the wives in verse 17. Or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. The prosperity test will ruin the king. Now shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. The inauguration day for a king meant going to the temple, sitting down with the priests, and writing out by hand your own copy of the Torah, your own copy of the law. Isn't that great? I've assigned that sometimes too for my children. You know, you got an issue with whatever? All right. Bring me your own handwritten copy of uh, Proverbs 31. Bring me your own handwritten copy of Philippians 2. Bring me your own handwritten copy of whatever. Because I want to get a point across, and it's going to get across if you have to write it out for yourself, word for word, in your own notebook paper. All right, and here's what the king had to do as he takes office. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes. In other words, the king is going to benefit from Proverbs 3 too, because it's required that he does so that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, so that he and his sons may, and here's our idiom with uh, Iraq and Yamin, so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. In the midst of Israel. The, the practical benefits, again, we're turning to the benefits, of, of uh, long-term benefits of a life spent in the word of God. 
includes length of days, years of life, and peace. Shalom. Those are the three things that we're dealing with. Uh, Numbers chapter... So there's the king, number 17. Numbers 22.7. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 22.7. Then we get to some of the strange ones. You say, okay, I get it. I'm going to honor my father and my mother. What else? If I'm a king, I've got to write out my own copy of the law. I get it. But I'm not a king, so I'm going to ignore that one. Um, a woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor a man put on a woman's clothing. Let's see. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. If you come, verse 6, if you happen to come upon a bird's nest along the way, in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs, and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You can kill one or kill the other, but don't kill them both. You shall certainly let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourselves in order that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. It's the identical language to honor your father and your mother. Okay? That's the first commandment with a promise. But here's another commandment. It has to do with animals. All right? It has to do with, I believe, our approach to life itself. Our approach to the principles of what pleases God. The principles of how we conduct ourselves in the Word of God. And even in our stewardship over the animal realm, in the, uh, the recognition of His provision. Is it really such a bad thing to, to kill the mother bird and the chicks? To, to take the eggs and the, and the bird? So you have a chicken dinner with eggs on the side? I mean, what's the big deal? God's making it a big deal. And if you follow the principles, he's promising you the, the yamim, the, the orek yamim, the length of days, by following the principles. Okay? There's uh, other similar expressions about boiling a kid in its mother's milk. Okay? And all these things that puzzle us, and reasons to make us glad that we're not priests or we're not bound by Leviticus. Okay? <laughs> Good luck. Dan, the Dan's got the idea of teaching Leviticus on a Sunday night rotation basis. But just notice this promise of length of life is attached even here as well in chapter 22 and verse 7. Chapter 25 and verse 15. Verse 13 says, You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a full and just weight. You shall have a full and just measure, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Again, the promise is length of days. Length of days. Following the principles of the Word of God. Living in the principles of God's uh, wisdom. Applying God's truth, not defying God's nature. We've already seen the unjust scales in, in, the, in Proverbs chapter 1, the nature of not reflecting God's own justice. That's huge. The benefit of Proverbs is that we will discern justice. Okay? We won't have these unjust weights. Anyway, applications there. So what's the real issue? Is the issue whether you're a cheat, you're a thief, you're a liar, 
Or is the issue you're not being saturated by the Word of God, by the wisdom of God's Word that's transforming who you are? That's the issue. Okay? The long-term benefit of, of uh, a life spent in the Word of God. All right, are we done with these? No, nope, chapter 30. Chapter 30 and then 32. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 18 through 20. And it's, it's entirely up to you. I mean, how do you want to live? I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Okay? What kind of life? And here's the commandments. If your heart turns away, you will not obey. Well, there's consequences. So I call heaven and earth. I said, verse 18, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. God will shorten your days, the sin and the death. God will shorten your days if you're not walking according to wisdom. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Okay, Long-term benefits of a life spent in the Word of God. Long-term benefit. Don't confuse the legalism of being under law with the long-term benefits of a life spent in the Word of God. Last use then in Deuteronomy is Deuteronomy 32, 47. Final testimony of Moses, he says, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law, for it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. The Word of God is your life. People treat the Bible like it's no big deal, like it's an idle word, like, eh, you know, take it or leave it. It's your very life. As it says, And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you're about to cross the Jordan to possess it. Temporal benefits to having an eternal perspective. Finally then, 1 Kings 3.14 and Isaiah 53.10. 1 Kings 3.14. We see the transition from David to Solomon. And the illustration of uh, what we already read about, the expectation that a king is going to be under the law and be intimate with the Lord in His Word. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. I will arak your yamim. So, so David's the example, and Solomon was commanded to imitate David. Finally, Isaiah 53.10. I'm glad we got to this one because in uh, Psalm 91, we were a little bit surprised that it was the Lord himself that was in view there. It was the Father speaking to the Son, promising to prolong his days. And yet we have the promise restated again here. The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If 
he would render himself as a guilt offering. In other words, if God the Son is willing to execute the plan that the Father put forth, if God the Son is willing to be the sacrifice, there will be blessings. If he would render himself a guilt offering, he will see offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This is a promise to the Messiah. This is a promise to what he can look forward to on the other side of the cross. He can look forward to the glory. He can look forward to the offspring when the Son himself operates as the everlasting Father. When a thousand generations of those who love Jesus Christ will serve him in the new heavens and on the new earth. And he will prolong his days, the Arach Yamim, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. This is why the Father is satisfied with the Son's sacrifice on the cross. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he bears their iniquities. All right, length of days. Length of days. God's not promising that that you're going to have 99 years on this earth, but he is promising you length of days, both in time and in eternity, the capacity to fellowship with him. It's a blessing in, uh, for those that experience this in their, in their life. Again, every believer can expect three additions to the human experience when they're abiding in the Word of God. The first of those is length of days. We'll come back next week and see the second and third. Years of life and shalom. Years of life and peace, both in time and in eternity. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for this time together. I pray that you would give us an understanding, a a real understanding of what length of days is about. And we might evaluate our very own days, Father. It's not the number, the length, the quality, the the nature of our days that's spent with you. Father, I just thank you for the perspective you give us. I pray that we would be less finite in our thinking and more infinite, less temporal and more eternal, less earthly and more spiritual, Father to truly identify the length of days that you have blessed us with, the the capacity that we are asking, Father, that you would give us to fellowship with you even now, not waiting for when we're dead and with you, but we are with you now. Thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.